Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 245 of the Double Density Podcast. Double Density is your home to learning more about horror movies. Now, this is a bit of a surprise episode. Angelo, my co-host, has no idea that I'm doing this, so it's going to be a nice surprise in his podcasting app of choice, which right now is overcast to hear this. And since it's spooky season, I decided to combine... Um, a list of horror and horror adjacent films that I wanted to form a sort of like horror iceberg about. Now, some caveats. Obviously, this is not a definitive list of horror films. What I've decided to do is I've decided to hop on Tubi and pick films that are available on Tubi since it's a free service, giving more people an opportunity to watch a film. I know that Tubi is not available everywhere, but I do believe it's better than just, you know, rattling off films that are pre-gated on something like Netflix or Amazon Prime. And also, you can find all the Tubi links in the show notes below, as well as bonus YouTube links for full-length movies where appropriate. So let's start digging. Surface level. So for the surface level, I'm going to talk about a couple of films that are not technically horror, but definitely, like, have... Uh, some horror-like aspects to it. So the first one that I've chosen is a movie that I've watched for the first time last year, and I do actually believe that every single person should watch this. It's a movie called Miracle Mile. It stars a young Anthony Edwards who falls in love at the wrong time. I don't want to say too much about this, and if so, uh, if you'd like to watch it, please don't read the description. Just go into it blind. I absolutely promise it is worth it. The second film I've decided to highlight on the surface level is a film called Green Room. It is firstly one of the first, uh, you know, rare films where Patrick Stewart plays a villain. Now the premise is, what if you do when you perform a gig and it turns out to be with the wrong audience? So this film uh, straddles the line between horror and thriller, but it's definitely, certainly worth the watch. Level one. Welcome, horror fiends. All right, level one. Welcome to um, movies that I do feel are pretty horrific um but not necessarily gory or immensely scary the first one is peeping tom so this is like the proto slasher right so a lot of film historians have decided that this british film from 1960 is uh definitely uh has a a lot of slasher elements including some first person stuff that i find very interesting right so the director of this is michael powell so he's one half of the directing duo powell and pressburger who are best known for 1947's black narcissist Next up, we have Driller Killer. So I'm going to talk about director Abel Ferrer for a sec. So I feel like he's one of those people like Larry Cohen, whose body of work is impressive and really underrated for an American director. Um, some of Ferrer's other films include the fantastic uh, film Miss 45, Bad Lieutenant, whose sequel, Bad Lieutenant's uh, Call of New Orleans, came out in 2008, does not have Ferrer uh, directing it, but stars Nicolas Cage. Definitely check it out if you have a chance. Uh, as well as King of New York and one of the many remakes of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers film from the 50s. So definitely check out th- all of those. So I'm just going to explain Driller Killer very quickly. Ferrara's first feature film is about annoyance, right? What happens when you have annoying neighbors? Uh, definitely of its time, uh, but give it a watch anyways. Next up is 2002's May. Have you ever felt like an outsider? May has. And she's looking to change that. But the results aren't what she was anticipating. I remember staring at the DVD box art, and I feel like it was on the back of many uh, jar magazines back in the day, like available for rental, available out there. And uh, I remember writing in the early 2000s and loving it. So you get to see a young universe, a young Jeremy Sisto, and includes the actor who played Boris Manager 2. So kind of a trifecta right there. Give it a shot. Level 2. Zombies. All right, let's talk about The Living Dead. Get comfortable, right? So I've decided to go beyond, right, the uh, Night of the Living Deads, the Return of the Living Dead, 
um, any of those like more well-known films. So the first thing I want to talk about here is actually one of the Return of the Living Dead sequels, Return of the Living Dead 3, which is one of the finest zombie love stories ever made, starring Melinda Clark, a.k.a. one of the moms from the OC, right? So director Brian Usna swung for the fences with this one when he melded together horror and romance and really nailed it, I feel. So Usna is kind of infamous because he also directed 1989's Society, um, and to those who have seen the movie know the last couple of sequences uh, to be some of the weirdest um, body horror type of stuff. Uh, you know, Yuzna also directed Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, which is the cult one, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, which is the Puppet Master knockoff. He also co-produced the decidedly non-horrific Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And he also executive produced Stuart Gordon's Dolls, um, which I do love dearly. And I'm actually going to include the link in the show notes for this one, even though it's not making the iceberg list officially. Next up is The Dead Next Door. So regional filmmaking at its best. So this was shot in Akron, Ohio over a 40-year period in the 80s. So this is J.R. Bookwalter comes through with a low-budget zombie thriller about a squad of zombie uh, killers, kind of like cops in the near future. So it's shot on Super 8, Let's Go. So I actually played with Super 8 when I was a kid a bit, loved it. So fun fact, this movie is actually primarily funded by Sam Raimi, who used some of the cash he earned from Evil Dead 2 in order to make this. Bruce Campbell also supervised certain sections of the film, and you actually get to hear him do some voiceovers. You can't do one without the other, so I'm going to drop a link into the show notes for Zombie Cop, which is another film that Jared Bookwalter made, uh, obviously also shot on video. Let's talk about Zombie 3, right? Zombie without an E. So firstly, I want to talk about the Italian film industry for a second. It turns out that their copyright laws in the 70s and 80s and into the early 90s aren't what they are today, which meant that Italian filmmakers could actually go shoot sequels to Hollywood films without needing permission from the original copyright holder. That's why you have stuff like uh, Alien 2 Contamination, Bruno Mattei's Shocking Dark from 1989, which carried the original title of Terminator 2, and it's actually available uh, under the name Shocking Dark on 2B2, so I'm going to include the link. Another infamous one, of course, from Bruno Mattei is Cruel Jaws, which is an incredible movie where you get to watch a uh, Hulk Hogan-like character battle some incredibly angry sharks. So I bring all this up to explain the film's title, like Zombie 3. Zombie was the Italian name originally for George Romero's 1978 Dawn of the Dead, with Zombie 2, no E again, uh, which confusingly in other territories has be, that have been renamed as Zombie Without an E, Zombie with an E, and Zombie Flesh Eaters, right? So Zombie 3 is the sequel to Zombie Without an E, and uh, good luck trying to figure that one. So strangely, this film is also credited to two Italian titans. So, firstly, Lucio Fulci shot six, worth, uh, six weeks' worth of material with this one and then got into a fight, bunch of fights with the producers and left the production. And then said producers uh, then brought Bruno Mattei in, which I mentioned before, the guy behind uh, Terminator 2 slash Shocking Dark and Cruel Jaws. So, still somewhat enjoyable. Next up, I want to talk about the Zombie 5. Killing Birds is the subtitle. So we've reached the point in Zombies numbering system where they're just slapping unrelated films and scripts with the zombie moniker to keep the franchise going, right? So Birds, Zombie birds it's like birdemic but with professional equipment and american actor robert vaughn so my one gripe with this film even though it's it's strangely enjoyable for like the quote-unquote like fifth film in a series is that the title makes it sound as if the birds are being killed right killing birds and not actually birds killing people instead so that's kind of confusing I want to give a special mention to 1988's Flesh Eater, which I've seen both with and without a space. Um, so either Flesh Eater, two words, or one word. So folks, meet Robert slash Bill Heinzman. Now you're going to say, Brian, who the hell is Bill Heinzman? Well, if you've seen the seminal 1968 film Night of the Living Dead, 
then you'd probably recognize Bill as the first zombie in the film, right, who attacks Barbara and Johnny in the cemetery. So Bill decided to parlay this fact into finding financing for his 1988 film Flesh Eater, which is an okay film. I mean, like, it's nothing special. It's very slow. I'll put it that way. Um, at least it's confidently shot, but it's very slow. I first saw this when I bought a three-pack of films that uh, Shriek Show put out in the early 2000s with the much superior zombie without an E, Holocaust, and the absolutely absurd Burial Ground, a film I would have absolutely included this list, and I have because I found the low-res version of this film. So listen, Burial Ground is an incredibly weird zombie movie, but not for the reasons you think it is. All I'm going to say is sometimes mother-child love goes a step too far. So didn't say, I didn't warn you. Level 3. Giallo City, Italy. All right, let's talk about giallos, right? Italian horror films, uh, genre films of, of the era, right? So a lot of horror heads would pick Dario Argento's Suspiria as the film director's magnum opus. But I'm actually going to go ahead and divert a bit and pick Tenebre. I feel it's a super stylish film with a ton of surrealism to it. Um, an androgynous killer, a really good um, cast, including John Saxon, right? Also a banger of a soundtrack by Goblin. You might recognize the title track if you listen to the movie uh, because it was sampled by Justice for their uh, song Phantom. Next up is the absurdly named Anthropophagus, which actually carries the name The Grim Reaper now on all streaming services. So Joe D'Amato, right? So the dude shot a bunch of very stylish softcore films in the 70s, including entries in both the uh, Mainline Emmanuel as well as the Black Manual series, including the notorious Emmanuel in America, which actually screened at Fantasia Film Fest this year, wherein the title character is investigating the uh, creation of supposed snuff films. Uh, definitely worth uh, a watch, if nothing else, than for the novelty. So what do you need to know about Anthropophagus, a.k.a. The Grim Reaper? I guess the lesson here is watch out where you spend your time traveling, especially when it comes to Greece. This is an exceptionally gory film that was originally banned in the early 80s in the UK as one of the 39 original Video Nasty. So if you don't know what a Video Nasty is, essentially British Parliament had decreed that these films were to be banned from the UK. No amount of cutting would allow them in. And I'm going to drop a link to the wiki entry to see the list of the other 38. So this stars uh, Tissa Fowler, whose other notable role was in Leo Fulci's zombie as I talked about before, a.k.a. Zombie 2. Next up, I want to talk about a Lucio Fulci-directed production titled The Beyond, right? Um, he directed the aforementioned Zombie, Zombie 2, Zombie Flesh Eaters, etc. Um, so Fulci and company head to New Orleans to shoot this strange fever dream of a movie on location. I feel like to enjoy this one, you have to approach it less like an actual narrative movie and more like using the plot as a framing device for several tableaus and really weird set pieces. Uh, definitely worth it. Definitely um, interesting to, to sort of watch uh, go down, but definitely not the most traditional of horror movies. Next up, we have Rats, Knights of Terror. Essentially, this is Mad Max meets Creepy Crawly. So Bruno Mattei, who co-directed Zombie 3, which I've also talked about before this. Um, Helms a story that's basically a biker gang in the future trapped in a building forced to deal with rats. Honestly, it's a thin premise, but the execution's not bad at all. There's some really moody shots. I really, really enjoy it. And I think you should give it a shot too. I want to give a special mention here to the movie pieces. I don't necessarily know <laughs> where to start with this one, right? So I'm throwing it into the Jello because even though it's a Spanish-American production, it feels 
like a strange software homage to Italian horror films in a way. Um, the biggest knock against it is it's pretty mis- – or seen as pretty misogynistic because most of the violence uh, – I think it's pretty much all the violence is against women, unfortunately. Um, but I felt like mentioning it here because of its historical context as a self-aware exploitation film. So I remember renting this as a teen on VHS thinking about how the box art looked like a ripoff to Texas Chainsaw Massacre because, of course, there is someone holding a huge chainsaw on there. But it was a much stranger watch um, to undertake. And if you've seen it, you know exactly what I mean. Level 4, Splattery Body Horror. Let's talk gross-out comedies. Now, I feel like a lot of this body horror stuff is actually pretty um, comedic in nature. And so I think the first thing I want to talk about is Street Trash. Street Trash may have the weirdest premise of any of the horror movies on this list. So essentially, it's about a liquor store owner who finds a crate of hooch buried deep within a store. And he decides to sell it to the hobos who frequent his store. And then it kind of has this like whole misadventure aspect to it. So it's definitely worth a shot um, if you enjoy multicolored gore. And I'm talking like neon colors almost. Um, definitely give this a shot. Similarly, Body Melt. It's an early 90s Australian film that I watched for the first time last year. Absolutely loved it. Unfortunately, the poster art on Tubi is not great because there's much better examples of it, including on the VHS and some of the bootleg DVDs out there. Um, it has an incredible electronic music soundtrack, um, which is probably the only one on this list that does. So this film is definitely a cautionary tale about what happens when you place your trust in the wrong corporation. Or, you know, if this were set now, perhaps, if I were to rewrite Body Melt, uh, placing your trust in an MLM hun when it comes to improving your body. So watch out for that lastly on this list is brain damage so frank hennenlauter it's a hard name to say but at least it's memorable so he's the brains pun intended uh, behind the basket case trilogy right so the idea of carrying a deformed child in a basket and then uh he also directed frankenhooker which i absolutely absolutely love and then this entry right here brain damage so it's a really really good horror comedy that's at least worth one watch um definitely there's some like weird body parts in some stop motion stuff a little bit of everything going on here um and obviously some some gross out body horror level five shot on video schlock all right let's talk about shot on video stuff so i feel like shot on video stuff is definitely the most auteur friendly stuff because clearly it's just one person usually with a camera and a vision right so yeah, I, you know, The Dead Next Door could have also included itself here, but it's a little too competent for the rest of these um, entries into the, the shot and video list. So let's start with video violence, right? So this is a really fun meta film about a literal mom and pop video store and what happens when they start doing some analysis about who's actually watching what. So it's a lot of goofy, dumb fun. And as I go through down the list, it's going to go from like sillier to a little more uneasy. So next up is Woodchipper Massacre, which I've seen more than once, unfortunately. And I describe it as more comedic than horrific. This one's got a pretty low body count, but it has a certain kind of like weird charm to it. I've watched it more than once, and I find it almost comforting in like a weird way. Maybe, maybe I'm just broken, right? Uh, also, the next entry in this list is Cannibal Campout, which I would include as another comedic yet horrific title that's worth it for the random camera uh, angles alone. Next up is Death Metal Zombies, which is a 90s shot on video movie with a literal killer soundtrack. Throw it on and get ready to groove. Um, the lighting on this one is like super weird in a bunch of scenes, so I think you're going to enjoy that too. Next up is Tales from the Quad Dead Zone, and this is an interesting shot on video anthology film starring a bunch of rednecks. I'm both including this because it's worth an interesting watch, but also because I wanted to highlight how the horror VHS market sometimes goes bonkers for stuff, right? So, um, 
horror VHS stuff kind of hit its zenith in the mid 2010s. And so this was a rare VHS tape that was selling in the thousands um, for years at a time from like 2000, I want to say like 7, 2011, 12, 13. So the price of the VHS tape has gone down a bit because um, this movie was reissued on DVD a decade ago alongside Chester Novel Turner, so the director's other film, Black Devil Doll from Hell. So this was put out as a two DVD set and, uh, you know, worth watching at least once. Let's talk about Things. So Things is the first Canadian entry into the shot on Horror Pantheon. So it's straight up like it's so bad, it is good and enjoyable to watch. The plot is like super simple. So two friends are visiting one of the guy's relative's house and then they come across a number of like horrifically mutated creatures. So the nice thing about watching the shot on video stuff on Tubi is that a lot of these have subtitle tracks. So if you're not quite sure what's going on or who's saying what, this is actually a great help to have. Next up is Sledgehammer. So when watching this, get ready for a weird ride. I would suggest you strap in for 1983's Sledgehammer, right? So it's a German shot on video entry that's definitely pours a lot of gasoline on gore, right? So go horror. So um, it kind of reminds me of another German series, Violent Shit, which saw distribution, uh, I want to say like six or seven years ago on DVD, um, kind of following the so bad it's good way of, of shot on horror, um, shot on video horror. Lastly, in this entry, we have something called Sheets of Gore. So Gore Meister Todd Sheets' earliest collection of kills. This guy has directed almost 50 films at this point. Um, good old Todd Sheets. I know Todd Sheets from the Zombie Bloodbath trilogy. And uh, I found a link to the first Zombie Bloodbath on YouTube. And I'm begging you to both watch Sheets of Gore in this. So <laughs> Zombie Bloodbath, to me, is a really enjoyable take on the zombie jar because it is so absurd there are multiple shots of people doing regular things and then suddenly getting attacked by zombies even though the zombies seem to be less than five feet away from them so basically like this zombie bloodbath movie uh, you get to see one of the protagonists so who is a m mullet guy like a huge mullet with a huge um hair and a mustache tries best to survive in a tough world and trying to find his kids with his neighbor um also you'll recognize a lot of the background actors being used over and over to stand in the place of zombies and also like there's a weird subplot about an all-girl gang war that gets dropped like halfway through um so both movies are kind of a mess but i definitely do suggest giving each watch i want to give special mention to a movie that i've probably watched i'd say half a dozen times now so it's henry portrait of a serial killer so it's probably the darkest film on this list michael rooker the guy who plays yondu in the guardians of the galaxy movies plays a character based on amalgamation of serial killers so this is a professionally shot movie and um while that is the case there are several scenes that incorporate video camera footage of henry and uh, his accomplice otis um committing crimes right so uh director john mcnaughton is also best known for 1998's wild things an incredibly strange and horny movie i actually got to see in a movie theater a couple of weeks ago when i was in orlando um but uh, definitely this is a way darker film than that level six Awful, forbidden trash. Finally, let's talk about awful, forbidden trash. I have one movie on this list. One movie so horrific. One movie so disgusting. One movie so um, unruly in nature that it's definitely worth listing here. That movie, of course, is A Karate Christmas Miracle, which is shot on consumer-grade home video, um, has a weird villain in that it's eric roberts but eric roberts kind of appears in the kids dreams like it's just such a bizarre badly made inept film that has all the forbidden elements put together karate christmas miracle is by far the darkest film on this list i lied when it says henry portrait of a serial killer double density so as i said before you can check out all of these links in the show notes if you want to hit um 
and start watching any of these. Or if you want to create a profile and add these to a list or something, it's definitely worth um, giving most of these a shot, if not all. If you've seen any of these movies, I'd love to hear from you over on Twitter, double underscore density. You can also email us at double density podcast at gmail.com or go to double density.net, fill out the contact form in order to let us know. Or you can actually just hit me up regular style on Instagram. I'm Brian MTL. I'm also Brian Hasty. Uh, H-A-S-T-I-E, over on Twitter if you want to talk about any of these movies. The door is wide open for that. So this has been it for episode 245 of the Double Density Podcast, the secret episode, the horrific iceberg episode. I want to call this one the sort of like the Tubi horror movie iceberg, right? Um, yeah, so uh, happy spooky season. Let me know what you are also taking in during, uh, you know, pumpkin season. And as I mentioned before, all of our socials are there, as well as our email addresses, as well as the contact form. You can fill that out. And let me know if I'm missing anything from Tubi um, or any other sort of gray market YouTube links you want to throw away. Definitely be able to do that. Tune in next episode as I force Angela to watch all of these in one sitting.